I did originally tell people, my close friends, that I'm, I'm not going to drink for three years and my family. And they were okay with it, but I still found that we'd be at a special occasion and someone would say, oh, just it's French champagne or this is a really nice wine, just have a sip or just have a toast. And I was, I was adamant that I was just not going to drink at all. And it was really hard to convince people that that's what I was doing. This is Not Quite Alcoholics, with me, Rory Kinsella, a meditation teacher, sober coach, and the creator of We Meditate to Quit Alcohol and the Six Steps for Not Quite Alcoholics. If you're considering changing your relationship with alcohol and are looking for tips, advice, and inspiration, you've come to the right place. Not Quite Alcoholics, how to go alcohol-free before rock bottom. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Neridine Tizai, a media and brand consultant, meditation teacher, mentor, cancer warrior, and writer. Over a 25-year career, both in Australia and the US, Neridine has held senior positions at many major media companies and has worked with both US and Australian talent and executives. She's also working on not one, but two books, a novel and a memoir, which both explore the theme of change. Neridine teaches Vedic meditation and as well as going through meditation teacher training with me, we also used to work together at the same TV company. So Neridine, it's a real pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Rory. It's very nice to be chatting with you again after all this time. I'm coming to you live from my cabin in Tasmania in the mountains, near Cradle Mountain. And you're in Bondi, so it's kind of a nice synergy. So today we're going to talk about alcohol. So maybe it would be good if to start with you, you know, talk talk to me about um, your history with alcohol and and when you when you change your relationship with it. Sure. So I think I was quite fortunate to grow up with European parents who um, always had alcohol around, but it wasn't yeah. taboo when it was just a part of daily life so alcohol was never um a forbidden thing for me so I've always had a moderate approach to alcohol and then Mm. I was diagnosed with cancer in 2008 and the type of cancer that I had uh had a a period of three years which you you needed to be super healthy in to know that you were clear from and that was my motivation for giving up alcohol. So my method was my motivation was health and, and literally life and death, which is a pretty good motivator. <laughs> Although, interestingly, I now work with, I do a lot of cancer patient support and it's amazing how many people actually drink more once they've been diagnosed with cancer, obviously due to distress mm. um, and so that is that is an issue which surprised me because I thought that most people would be really motivated to um, make big changes in their life, but but that's not always the case. So I made a pact with myself um, and the universe. If mm-hmm. I gave up alcohol for three years, that I would survive cancer. 
and not a sip of alcohol passed my lips during that time. And 13 years ago in 2008, um, it wasn't it wasn't common for people to give up alcohol just for the sake of it, just for their health. Yeah. It was people either had an issue, they were either in AA or you know, as a young younger woman, you were it was assumed that you were pregnant um, if you weren't drinking somewhere. So it was it was unusual, and I yeah found it quite challenging not not in the not drinking part, but in the way that people reacted to me socially. And I ended up having to come up with some tactics to deal with that. And there wasn't much around at that time in terms of support. Yeah. So, uh, how, yeah. How did you go about it? Um, so I think like what you're doing is is really great because it's actually giving people tools. So I'd already been meditating for twelve years. So I, and I think that the fact that meditation for me has always taken the edge off a day. So when I came home from work or I was having a bad day at work or I was stressed, I always meditated. And meditation really, I think, saved my life during cancer, my cancer journey as well. So I guess the meditation was there as a tool um, and and then I just first I announced it to people. Yeah. Is, is that answering your question? I, and, and I think we talked about we've, we've off, offline, me briefly mentioned stealth versus health. But I did tell I did originally tell people, my close friends, that I'm I'm not gonna drink for three years and my family. And they were okay with it, but I still found that we'd be at a special occasion and someone would say, Oh, just it's French champagne or this is a really nice wine. Just have a sip or just have a toast. And I was I was adamant that I was just not gonna drink at all. And it was really hard to convince people that that's what I was doing. And um, and then, of this, course, yeah. This is with them knowing that you were doing it for the reasons you were doing it, for the health reasons. Yeah, I would say to people, I'm recovering from cancer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, it's amazing how it and especially. how crazy it is that people think that it's okay to talk you into doing something when it's such a strong health reason not to do it. Absolutely. And, and that's actually what um, shocked me and sometimes disappointed me with my friends um, and, you know, they would pull out the best bottle of whatever or, you know, and, and try and tempt me. And, I'd, and I would always say, hey, I'm trying to, and also down the track because I looked okay, I seemed healthy, and for them they just couldn't understand the motivation of not wanting to drink. Um, but, you know, I, I was very adamant that that was the, the amount of time I wanted to give up. So after a while I just stopped telling people because, and I set up strategies. So I, I, as as you discussed, I worked in TV and I went to a million functions, yeah. and and that and I realised how boring they were <laughs> when, <laughs> when you didn't have a drink. Um, so, but I would turn up to a function and I would just uh, flag down a barman or a waiter and just say, "Look, I'm not drinking tonight, but I want to look like I am. So, could you just organise a mocktail for me or?" bring me mineral water in a glass that looks like it's a vodka and tonic or give me a half apple juice, half mineral water in a wine glass, something like that. And I did that for years. 
And um, so that got me out of functions or I'd grab a glass of champagne and just hold it, you know, Mm -hmm. literally hold it and just swan around, you know, say hi to everyone and then just leave. Um, and, And that became my method of dealing with it because also people would ask me questions and then I'd end up having to talk about cancer and I, I just got bored of that whole that whole story as well. Yeah, I, I love that approach of just making it easier for yourself Like, because di- different people deal with it in different ways and some people like being really upfront and having that confronting discussion with people but for a lot of people it's like, well, that's going to give you more stress and you're not doing it to you know, shake up other people. You're doing it because you want to um, stick to your own health goal. Um, so I, I, I quite like that stealth idea of taking the question off the table by just pretending it's not there. Um, so the bar staff and that they were all they were all more than happy to oblige you. You'd be amazed, actually, and I you'd just be absolutely amazed because I think they've encounter they encounter it as part of their professional careers and obviously there are people that do have issues with alcohol for whatever reason I think probably at that age and what I looked like I imagine they probably thought I was pregnant and that's something I was trying to trying to hide it um but the bar staff were great and then with my close friends when we would go out for dinner if it was a nice really nice restaurant I would ask the barman even if there wasn't if it wasn't on the menu, I would ask if they would make me a, a mocktail. And most proper barman, bar staff really enjoy the the doing that for you and they'll say, do you want it fruity? Do you want it citrus? Do you like it this? Do you like that? Mm. And I would just say something like, you know, back in the day I used to like a mojito, so could you make me something that tastes like that? Mm. And and they would bring you something and, and that was nice because, I have to say, and I'm sure everyone would relate to this, um, mineral water gets pretty boring after a while (laughs) (laughs) and um, you can only stand at a party for so many hours drinking mineral water. So, you know, you you mix it up and I used to bring all sorts and I used to experiment and I think obviously now there's lots of alternatives and then kombucha came around and, you know, so I had more options. But definitely in the three years that I drank nothing, um, I found it I found it challenging just to get something off the shelf, you know, if you like, because yeah. um, I didn't want to drink a soft drink. Um, my motivation was health and, you know, I didn't want to drink a Coca-Cola or a lemonade or something like that. And, you know, if you go to a regular pub, there aren't many options. No, not at all. Um, uh, yeah, and can you imagine what it would be like if you drank six Cokes? It's not not going to be very good for your health. Um, and, yeah, and, and that's actually where there was one night when I had like three mocktails at, at a Japanese restaurant in, in Sydney and my friends were all really full and tired. They'd been drinking wine all night and I was super high off the, all the sugar and the mocktails and I realised yeah. then, you know, that that I was like, you know, there, there was a lot, still a lot of sugar so, I, you know, you have to be careful about that as well. Um, but, yeah, you, you know, you've, I think there are a lot more alternatives now so that's that's kind of a good thing. Yeah, I, I quite like the, the soda lime bitters just as a, a cheap, cheaper option because if you spend all night drinking mocktails, you're spending pretty much the same as anyone else is spending. That's true. Which negates yeah. one of the good reasons for, for quitting. 
Um, there is a t- there is a tiny bit of alcohol in bitters. Just a there tiny is, bit. yes, yeah. There is. And I did. I have to say, when you don't drink at all, you really notice the alcohol. So, for instance, a lot of homeopathic remedies, bush flower remedies, bark flower remedies. I, I remember buying a packet of organic blueberries that that were chocolate coated, and I thought, oh, it's got a strange flavour. And when I read the back ingredients, there was alcohol. And so you, 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 your palate becomes really mm. aware of it as well, which is well, interesting. Even like ripe bananas are supposed to have more alcohol than something. I can't remember what it was, but it's because it's already it's fermenting while it's sitting there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so you stuck to your three years and then what happened when you kind of reached your, your allotted time? Uh, it was, it was interesting because, um, as I, as I was saying, you know, the friends were, were really waiting for this day that I was going to start drinking again. And, um, because I did have people come up to me at parties saying, I miss the old you. And if they didn't miss the old me, they just missed me being miss, how do I say this? They felt judged because I wasn't drinking, yeah. you know, and You're I could also, yeah, I was holding the mirror up and not intentionally by any means, but also I remembered everything from every every night, which was very interesting because I, I didn't take the approach of staying home. I still went out and my social life was exactly the same, mm. Um but I realised that I remembered all this stuff, which obviously, you know, in my younger years I probably didn't remember as much detail. So my friends were a little bit, felt a bit judged, I think. So the, the night came along that I was going to start having, it was my birthday and we went to a fancy hotel in Sydney and um, I had a few drinks, not too many, a cocktail and a glass of champagne. And then um, the next morning I woke and I felt fine during the drinking and and I thought, oh, this is just, the same, you know, it because I'm naturally a socially a social person, so alcohol was never a um, a social lubricant for me, and mm. um, I'm also naturally a night owl, so I didn't need alcohol to keep me up. So my social life continued exactly the same. Um, so I had this had this um, drinks night, and then the next morning I woke up, and to this day I have never felt so bad in my entire life. Mm-hmm. It might literally every cell of my body was in pain. I had whole body pain. It was this, you know, my body was going through some kind of shock of the mm. retox and it made me realise how unhealthy alcohol is for you. And I think that's one of the things we, we don't talk about much um, is that, you know, it is a toxin, it does damage brain cells, but the fact that I had a hangover like that mm. indicated to me how much damage it was causing me, you know, and I think age-wise um, I think, it, you know, not drinking really helps with isn't with ageing. Um, people don't realise that. And I was also very interested in veganism and been a vegetarian for a lot of my life, but definitely I was a vegan for quite a long period and most uh most alcohol a lot of alcohol is not vegan um mm. and interestingly french champagne is uh, a lot of french champagne <laughs> real champagne is um so yeah so i kind of drunk and then i was like oh it's n- it's not such a big deal and i felt awful 
So why would you do it? Mm. Um, yeah. So then what, what, what's your behaviour been since then? So then, so since then I took the approach of I will have a glass of champagne to join in on a special occasion and that's for the shared experience, which is maybe Christmas, mm-hmm. Easter. At the beginning it was Christmas, Easter and my birthday. Yeah. Um, and then it was, you know, I would go for six months and not have a drink and it was intentional. It was always intentional and mm. it was always um, a small amount and it would be one maximum two glasses and I think I've been meditating for so long. My nervous system is really sensitive. I just don't enjoy it. Yes. Yeah. So I, that's, I, I, yeah. I hear you there. So just on the point of meditating, kind of changing your experience of alcohol, that because I gave up, it took, it, it was four years after I started meditating. But I what I noticed in that period is that I enjoyed drinking less because kind of like you were saying, um, my higher state of consciousness or my clearer perception of things got clouded by the drink. So whereas before I describe it as kind of like I was this stressy person and drinking was a good way to make me numb that stress feeling and feel a little bit more normal. Mm. After I'd meditated that stress away, then and I was feeling okay. Then the drinking kind of clouded me, and it was pulling me the other way. And it was kind of like, well, hang on, I, I is is, is alcohol always been like this? Am I just noticing it now, or have I have I ruined it? Have I ruined booze by by, by meditating? Yeah, and, and it's, I think it's, it's also sorry, kind of like your your reaction from not having dr- drunk for three years, your your body's saying hey this is this is bad and and that's one of the reasons for that could be because you lost that tolerance and that's what we we build up over many years of drinking is tolerance to this to- toxin this poison absolutely and, and, absolutely and once you haven't got that tolerance anymore you get you get really hit and that's like you know your first drink you ever have as a teenager or a child or however old you are it's why you really you can't stand it because it tastes so disgusting and it makes you sick so it's interesting for you to have that experience again as an adult, having lost your t- tolerance by deliberately not drinking for three years. Yeah, and I, it was it was a period of my life I was particularly particularly very healthy. But also, I think the other things I think that we use alcohol in environments where we don't need to, and I think that does your senses as well. So it's a combination of having the meditation practice. And then not drinking, I went to, someone gave me tickets to a Coldplay concert Mm. Um, and I'm not particularly a Coldplay fan. It's not really my style of music, but I went there and I was dead sober obviously and it was an amazing experience. Suddenly I was like, wow, live music is so good <laughs> you know and 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 i and also movies you know like movies are great you don't need to have a drink before a movie you don't need to have a drink before a live music gig or theater or the opera or plays and i think yeah. that we dull our senses with alcohol and it's a shame that 
that, you know, you catch up with friends and they want to have a drink before whatever you're going to. Um, I think that alcohol definitely alleviates boredom. So if you're, and, and that's the thing that I really noticed when I was in social situations and I got bored, I just left. I didn't stay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd be at a party and, and you know, anyone who's given up drinking and still goes out will know there is that turning point where for the first few hours it's just fun chit chats and then suddenly everyone turns and and <laughs> start repeating themselves and you're like do you know that yeah. you just told me the same thing three times yeah, yeah. You're, like, you're like oh great that story again <laughs> um and and it's so amazing because it's almost like the whole party's on the same level and and at the same level of, of you know alcohol consciousness if you like and yeah. and that's all that was always my cue I was like okay here the party's turning I'm leaving <laughs> you know and, and you know most people don't notice and don't care and as long as I held a glass in my hand um and and didn't make a big deal about it the not drinking, I found it was just easier for me, easier for everyone else. And then I would just, you know, I would do a bit of a dash and just, and just leave. And, yeah. and, not, and that not, not saying goodbye to anyone is the key. In my yeah. Book. Oh, because it's an hour of, of goodbyes. And then, and, like, and then, oh, you know, why are you, <laughs> why are you yeah. And, and, and you know what they don't, people don't remember, which is funny. And, the the other thing that I had to worry about was giving people lifts home because I was living in Sydney and I um you know I, st- I started driving everywhere because I wasn't drinking and suddenly when I would leave people would say oh can you give me a lift can you give me a lift and suddenly I was this like you know the eastern suburbs <laughs> Uber driver Uber <laughs> and Uber. and. It would take me an extra hour to get home. So then I started catching yeah. taxis. So then I could just leave and be home and not worry about that. Because I these are just like they're weird little things that you don't realise that are going to end up becoming an issue for you. And also another one for me was when you'd go out for dinner and everyone would just say, okay, should we split the bill? And I would sit there thinking, yeah, no I don't want to be <laughs> I don't want to be that person. Um but I would say, hey, um, I didn't drink. Because um, it, it's normally double. Yeah, like it's the, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Can be more, and, but often double. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I've done I've done a bit of work with the hospitality industry and with branding and pricing, and and you know that's how they make their money, which is which is fine for them. But when you're going out for dinner in Sydney or New York or LA or wherever you are and you're splitting the bill and you haven't had one sip of alcohol, um, it's, it's, that hurts. And you, and, and so that, that was something I had to negotiate with. So I, I, I learned to, to stand up for myself and to say, when we sat down, you yeah. know, guys, by the way, I'm not drinking tonight. And I would just have literally have water or, you know, be yeah. really careful, um, and, and just make that quite clear because otherwise, I felt that was really that was challenging for me. Um, yeah, so there's, it's not fair for you to pay that. But also, by the time the bill comes, everyone's had a few drinks; so they're a bit drunk, and they don't really think about it. Or, and I think mm-hmm. that's the thing about people who are drunk. You know, you can't really reason with them. You don't want to. You don't want to be a pain, and um, it's they're hard to negotiate with, which is why they're really boring. <laughs> as well so you you kind of and they're the sorts of things I had to learn you so you know dinners uh, you know parties briefing barmen briefing people before functions and things like that I had to not driving 
there were just sorts of things that I kind of learnt along the way. Um, I was I was never tempted to drink during that time. Um, yeah. So I was lucky that I had the, those techniques. And um, one thing I did which was really helpful for me was the I just didn't attend any Friday night after work drinks. And I know that's probably not kind of appropriate in our given current circumstances, but I would go and have a massage. I used that money to go and have a massage and an acupuncture session. So I had, and that was in close to where I lived and it was a just a standard appointment I had. So every Friday night I would have that session. And so I'd be, you know, I'd feel great for the weekend. So oh, I'd yeah. have that sort of body work and um, that's where, it, you know, I, and that sort of, and people would go, that's such a luxury. And I would think, but you go out on a Friday night and yeah, you go to you a bunch less. of bars. Yeah. yeah. Probably spent similar or less. And that's yeah. the thing about Friday drinks because I would, I would always go for Friday drinks and would often not, not have any dinner, be like super yeah. drunk having spoken about whinged about work for like yeah. five hours just thinking that's not that's not relaxing in no. any way no not at all but so yeah yeah just going back to that point you were making earlier I really liked how you were talking about you know gigs and the theatre and all those things which are which are fun anyway like I have people who say I don't I'm gonna have to make all these new memories because all my old memories are all because of alcohol and I'm not I always say they're not because of alcohol. They happen to involve alcohol, but you can't mm. give alcohol the credit for, you know, seeing the Red Hot Chili Peppers or whatever your favourite gig was. That would yeah. have been good anyway. And my memory of those gig, big gigs I've been to is that I missed half of it because I was queuing at the bar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I went to, look, I went. I still went to music festivals. I went to quite a few mu- music festivals, dead sober, and I had a great time. And, yeah. you know, and I think I think that, yeah, you have to try and tap back into the fact that the purity of music and art as well, going to a gallery and, you know, the first thing they do is hand you a glass of wine or champagne when you walk into an exhibition opening because they want you to buy a painting, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, because you're, you're, you're definitely your defences are down and you're, decision-making process is, is affected and impeded. So um, and how many people have been online shopping and, and drinking during um, these unusual times that we've been in? Um, you know, like that that's a thing now. So I think, if, you know, I would say to people everything is more enjoyable, you know, and, and if something is boring, then it's supposed to be boring. If, if you know, then just leave. Just, yeah, because you're you just know. realizing what you you've been hiding from before. Like, like they, when that person's repeating their stories to you, when you're not even realizing, it's not like you're enjoying that. You're just not aware of how boring it is. Yeah, and also, you know, like if 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 a movie is boring or a book is boring or a play, if someone's invited you to their amateur theatre play and it's super boring, um, you know, just getting drunk during intermission is really not going to be that helpful. Um, you know, I think it's, I think that we use alcohol as well to get through tedium. I think that that yeah. was for me. And I definitely, I've sat in a lot of green rooms during TV recordings of shows and I realised how boring they were um, because it's a whole lot of TV execs and talent, et cetera, sitting around um, and, 
I didn't realise how boring they were until I stopped drinking. Um, and, you know, so I think that for me, I probably alcohol was around because it was always part of my career as well, like you, um, mm. having been a journalist and then working in TV. Um, it's just everywhere, every day, if, you know, and, and I also came from the generation of the boozy lunch. So, mm. you know, once I also didn't drink at the, and they're like, but, but the company's paying. <laughs> it's a free drink. You know, I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I've had free drinks my whole life, you know. I've had 25 years of free drinks. Um, they don't make your life happier, that's for sure. No, like even as a, a drinker, I'd, I'd worked out that certain occasions didn't work for me. Like a lunchtime, like two or three drinks at lunch was was not good unless I was going to keep drinking all afternoon because I'd just be so tired and kind of groggy mm. at my desk and also like drinking before the theatre or the movies. I would just be like dehydrated, a bit tired, needing the loo. So I'd already kind of wiped out those scenarios because I knew that if I started drinking I had to keep drinking or I realized how you know it didn't make me feel good if you have a few yeah absolutely and And also you know the other things you know it affects your sleep so people always report when they when they give up alcohol they sleep better because even though it might knock you out when you first um have been drinking it will wake you up in the middle of the night a, as you said, when you're dehydrated um, or it's generally your liver processing the alcohol. So it's not, you know, that's important. And then also, you know, I know a lot of people that drink to alleviate anxiety and depression, but we know, you know, very with no uncertain terms that alcohol aggravates depression and anxiety. So people will often report when they've given those up. And, and of course, you know, we've been talking about meditation Meditation is such a great tool to take the edge off all those things to help you sleep better, to alleviate depression and anxiety, and and also to just pick up healthier patterns. And I, I you know, I was listening to the your previous podcasts and the yoga teacher, and it made me realize that just as a habit, I'd I'd have got out of the habit of doing my yoga recently, and mm. so I will now I will just start I'll just start that again because that's just. It's just another habit, you know, and I'll just incorporate it back into my day again. So I think the thing is alcohol at the end of the day, it, it doesn't have to be, we don't have to demonise it, but there is, no. um, it does does dull our senses and therefore takes away a lot of enjoyment in our lives. Yeah, and I, I love how that you phrased that before about how meditation takes the edge off, which is something that, you know, people often look to alcohol to do those things to help to help them sleep, to de-stress, but meditation actually does it and follows through and doesn't give you a, a hangover, whereas alcohol will give you that temporary feeling of, you know, you, you've been numb to that thing that you were thinking about. But like you said, with the with the sleep, it, it has that rebound quality of just going, Zhung, okay, now yeah. you're awake at two in the morning. So it's kind of the Meditation follows through on the promise that alcohol makes without the hangover the next day. And and you actually evolve and you feel better and, you know, your mind gets stronger and it, 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 the benefits just outweigh so much. And so for me now, you know, I, I will occasionally, as I said, you know, have a drink every now and then, but I'm very mindful of what it is and when it is and 
and mm. for what reason. Um, and I think that's really important as well. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you very much, Naradine. It's been lovely to catch up. And yeah, I wish you, you too, Rory. I love, I love what you're doing. I think it's fantastic and it's just so helpful for so many people. And especially I really love the branding um, <laughs> because not quite alcoholic, I think, reson- is very resonates with a lot of people and um, it's really important work that you're doing. So um, good luck and thank you for having me on. Thank you. If you're looking to change your relationship with alcohol, check out my guided meditation series, We Meditate to Quit Alcohol, and my six steps for not quite alcoholics program, which offers motivation, meditation, and accountability to help you achieve your drinking goals. If you found this useful or interesting, please give us a rating and review before you leave so that other people like you can find us and share with any friends who may also find it useful.